While most of the country is in a deep freeze, one thing that continues to heat up is Major League Soccer expansion talk. This is the SBS Show. I am Garrett. Cleverly with me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? How's it going, Garrett? Staying, uh, staying warm over there in Arizona? Yeah, you know, I wore shorts for the first time this year today. Lucky dog. Well, it's freezing over here. Uh, obviously, Jersey uh, isn't as bad off as some other parts of the country, like Chicago, which just seems like it's unbelievably cold there. But, uh, you know, we're over here in Jersey gearing up for uh, a big week in sports. Obviously, the Super Bowl is in town, and, you know, I can actually see MetLife Stadium from my house. Um, and we also have the UFC in town, uh, UFC 169 this weekend. I'll be there. But uh, once again, even though the MLS season hasn't started, uh, MLS expansion talk continues to continues to keep going all through the winter. And you're exactly right. I mean, fans across the nation want to know who these next cities are going to be that are jumping up to to pluck one of the few remaining MLS expansion spots. One thing that generated a lot of buzz on Tuesday was San Antonio. Ivis League Commissioner Don Garber flew out there to talk with the mayor of San Antonio and the San Antonio Scorpions owner. The city of San Antonio, Ivis, good spot for a new expansion club. Well, I'd say it's uh, it definitely has potential. You know, Texas is is a good good state uh, for soccer, and uh, they have teams there already. And you could have a nice little trio of a uh, little rivalry there when when you have Dallas, you have Houston already there. Uh, I think it could work, uh, but you know, obviously, when you're talking about 24 teams and who's going to be the 24th team, and uh, my, my, Miami's looking really good, Atlanta's looking really good, and then after that, you know, you have Minnesota in the conversation. San Antonio has kind of been on the back burner, but they have been on the radar for some time. And having Garber actually go out there and meet with officials is a big step. And and again, people, you know, don't, you can't you can't take this as a sign that uh oh, you know, is something's imminent. Garber's met with officials of a lot of cities and cities that don't have teams now. So, I mean, he's met with St. Louis, he's met with Cleveland, he's met with different cities through the years. And uh, you know, not to rain on anyone's parade in San Antonio, but it is a positive first step. Uh, they have shown signs there of supporting soccer and, and supporting pro soccer. Uh, with the Scorpions, but, you know, it, it still remains to be seen. The competition is going to be f- be fierce for that last spot. And you're exactly right. The competition is going to be fierce as a lot of these cities continue to pick up steam. Talking about picking up steam, David Beckham and his group, the Miami Beckham United, uh, were expected to begin negotiations on Tuesday with Miami-Dade County uh, for a site to find the stadium. I mean, this looks closer and closer and closer to becoming a reality. Well, I think we've all accepted that it's going to happen. It's just a question of where they're going to put the stadium. So I don't think it's a case anymore of will it, will it, will it. It's more of a question of where will we see a stadium uh, placed in the Miami area. Uh, obviously, folks down there ha- have their own opinions on where they should put a stadium. Should they put it in Miami proper? Should they put it a little bit nor- uh, more north uh, to appeal to, to fans from Fort Lauderdale in the northern parts of that area uh, as a bit more of a a centralized location to, to deal to a greater, uh, greater fan base. Uh, for me, I don't really have an opinion on it. I think it'd be great if they had a team in Miami proper, uh, a stadium in Miami proper. Uh, but again, I've heard good arguments for, for both, but I think what's safe to say at this point is Beckham will find a way to get a deal done. Well, okay. Let's, if, if David Beckham's group secures it, there will technically be two or well, there will not technically, but there will be two spots left. You know, with Minneapolis, San Antonio, Sacramento. I mean, do you think anyone's kind of in in the lead or in Atlanta too? I mean, do you think anyone's in the league? I mean, what cities would would you place money on as landing the the next those final two spots? Well, let's see. We got twenty four teams right now. Orlando 
and New York City FC are going to be teams 20 and 21. And then from there, you have three slots. Miami's 22, let's say hypothetically. Uh, then you have two slots in Atlanta. I think Atlanta's the front runner out of, out, of, out of the next group. And then from there, I think Minneapolis and San Antonio are probably the next two. I think, I think it's going to be one of those two teams. I know there's people, I know there have been markets or people from different markets who, who've talked about wanting to jump right into MLS, uh, you know, maybe joining USL. I mean, Sacramento's has been mentioned. I've heard Charlotte mentioned. Uh, but for me, I think Minneapolis and San Antonio, I think you have to look at them as kind of the favorites. Well, speaking of Major League Soccer, all the teams are in preseason form. Their camps have already kicked off, and they're beginning preparations for the upcoming season. One player that will be joining his team shortly is Marisa Du, who's coming over on loan to the Philadelphia Union from Stoke City. Ivis, we haven't had a chance to talk about this move because it happened after we did a show last week. But your thoughts on the move and what Marisa Du brings to the Philadelphia Union? Well, obviously, it's a great move for the Union. And then I think especially the way they, that it was able to to, to be uh, pulled off, uh, they're getting him on a loan for the year. It's a year-long loan with an option to buy. And, and you know, I, I think barring... Uh, you know, barring him having a real, real disappointing year for them, I think they'll, it's pretty safe to say they're going to exercise that option, that purchase option. But he definitely gives them a big boost in the midfield. Uh, I, th- I absolutely think he'll be in the midfield for them. I know there's talk, you know, there's been some speculation from people that, oh, he should play in the back, uh, play play as a center back. I, I don't see that. I think he's going to play in the midfield. I think he can give you so much in the, in, in the center of the field. I know Brian Carroll is still there, the, the union captain. Uh, but maybe you find a way to get both those guys on the field together. Uh, but it's clear for the front, it's clear that the union had a goal this offseason of revamping their midfield, and they have absolutely done that. Uh, the designated player Maidana, the Argentine, uh, should should work on the wing on one wing, and then you have uh, uh, Noguera, uh, the the French midfielder who who is probably going to be signed pretty soon. Uh, from what I I've been told from sources tell me that the union are pretty close to making that deal happen. If they pull that deal off, uh, then all of a sudden you have three serious upgrades in midfield, and you have a union team that's going to look pretty strong and look like a for me it will look like a playoff contender there. And so you're you're with the Philadelphia Union. I mean, they just missed out on the playoff last last year with Noguera, Maidana, and Edu coming to the midfield, I mean, were the Union able to kind of keep pace with the other teams in the East that have also improved their, their squads heading into the new season? Well, I don't think everyone's improved. I think, uh, I don't think Montreal's improved, right? And I think, you know, obviously they were one of the teams that, that did make the playoffs, so I think they closed the gap on them. I think they closed the gap on Chicago, who finished ahead of them as well. Uh, so for me, I think right now the Union are in the playoffs. Uh, or they, they should, you know, if things go well for them, if Jack McInerney can get that scoring touchback, uh, but the big question mark for them is defensively. Who will play center back next to Amobi Akugo? Obviously, they brought in a young defender, Ethan White, who showed some good flashes in 2013 for DC United. But he's still a bit of an unproven commodity, and and you know he, he he's not a proven starter yet in MLS. So, you know, if you're John Hackworth, that is an absolute priority. Figuring out who's going to settle into that role. Uh, they are lacking some depth there uh, in in the center back position, which is why I think some people have looked at it do is maybe a possibility there. But you know, for me, I don't think I don't think that's what the union brought him to do. I think they brought a union. They brought a dude to Philly uh, to really anchor the middle for them and not just be a, a shield for the front of, of the defense. I think he brings a lot to the table uh, in the attack as well. I think he can help you go in both ways. So. 
uh, big signing for them, big signing, and I think they, you know, they absolutely should make the playoffs this year. Uh, personally, for Maurice to do, guy like him on the outside looking in for that trip to Brazil for the World Cup, was this the best move for him to get games, Ivis, or, or was there anything else out there? I mean, what he can he do to get back into Jurgen's eyesight to possibly get a, a call up to one of the upcoming games or friendlies? Well, I think this is absolutely the reason he he made this move because he he knows he'll come here now. He's going to play. He's going to play every game for Philly, and he's going to have his chance to to show uh, Jurgen Klinsmann what he can do. And, and you know, some of the people he's competing against for a place on the World Cup team also compete in MLS. When you talk about Kyle Beckerman, someone who he's probably in direct competition with for one of those last spots on the World Cup team. So uh, I definitely don't think it hurts his chances. I think it helps his chances because, you know, if you have if you go and, and, and face one of those uncertain situations with a new club team in Europe, uh, you're really, you know, kind of putting your, your future at risk, your, your World Cup future at risk. Uh, and he had options. Uh, you know, I reported over the weekend that, you know, he had teams in England, uh, France, Turkey, uh, and Spain that were interested in him. Uh, you know, I named a few of those teams. And, and so it, there were options there. There were multiple options. I know there were some uh, reports claiming that MLS was his last resort and he really didn't have anywhere else to go. Nothing could be further from the truth. He had a multitude of options uh, that he could have turned to but he chose to come to MLS, and you know I, I think it's a good fit for him. I think he, he that team, uh, it, you know, it's it's a talented team. I think what that team did lack was was a little bit of of experience in the middle, and I think he has that experience. He had you know he's obviously played in Europe for years now. He's played in the Champions League. He's played at a high level. I think he's going to be a great fit for them. And in other news around the league, San Jose sent Stephen Betasher to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Great move for the Vancouver Whitecaps, adding him to their back line. Kind of wonder what the San Jose Earthquakes are doing here, but Ivis for Vancouver, I mean, great move, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, my I think the bigger question is, uh, did San Jose make a mistake here, and should they have kept him? Uh, I know they they obviously decided to to you know move on without him and, and, and part ways with him and go in another direction at right back, but... I mean, Betashore for me is a quali- one of the better right backs in MLS, and and if you're Vancouver, you have to be absolutely giddy that you know you lose a player like YP Lee who retires, and then you replace him with someone who you could argue is as good, if not better, uh, at right back. So that's a big step for them, big positive for them. Uh, finally, something positive in what's been a, a bit of a disappointing uh, and at times painful pre- uh, off season for them with losing Camillo and the whole Andre Lewis draft pick uh, you know fiasco. So. I think that's a positive for them and positive for 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 Carl Robinson as he tries to build that defense and and uh, close the gap on the playoff teams in the West. Uh, another right back is on the move. Richard Eckersley is going from Toronto to the New York Red Bulls, playing right back. Ivis for the Red Bulls. What does this mean bringing him in? It, it, it's tough to say because right now we don't know the the particulars on his contract and what the Red Bulls are actually paying. Um, I think it's absolutely safe to say, actually, from what I've been told, Toronto FC is picking up a portion of his contract. Now, I don't know what his contract situation is at the moment, but what I know is that he was on a contract that was paying him a ton of money. Uh, he was one of, for me, one of the most overpaid players in MLS. Uh, we're talking, you know, in the 300,000 to up to 390,000 range the last few years for a right back. That's just ridiculous. And then he's, and even if you, I tell you what, even if you're the right best right back in MLS, that would be high price. And he is not even close to being the best right back in MLS. He's middle of the pack at best. If the Red Bulls got him at a at a reasonable price, if they're paying a reasonable price, you know, whether 100, 150 tops, under 50,000, uh, you know, to be a starting right back, Eckersley, 
would be a decent pickup. If they're paying more than that, I think they're overpaying because not only are you paying the guy way too much in salary, but he's also an, an international player. And and being a team like the Red Bulls, you would you would like to think that they're going to use their international player slots on on higher profile players at, at at attacking positions. So from that standpoint, I'm not so sure about it, you know, because I mean, for me, Brent, Brandon Barklage, I know he's got injury issues, but I think when you know when healthy, you know, for me, he's as good if not better than Eckersley, and he at the fraction, at a fraction of the price, and they let Brandon Barklage go. So it's going to be interesting to see who starts there at right back. I know Kasuki Kamura is still there. He was pretty serviceable for them, he, and, and he's cheaper. So I, it's a surpri- I'd say what? It's a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. And once we find out, and whenever it is we find out, but once we find out how much money he is on, how much money the Red Bulls are actually paying, I think that's when we'll be able to judge whether or not this was a good pickup. Well, the Red Bulls also added uh, another defender, center back Armando Lozano. Uh, he's he's Spanish. Uh, he played for Barcelona's reserve team, which which plays in the Spanish second division, played for Mexican side. Vera Cruz, he's 29 years old, Ivis. Bringing him into the New York Red Bulls, is he, is he going to be playing a lot? What, what, what do you expect out of him? What, what, what will he bring to the Red Bulls this season? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know anyone who's seen the guy play much. So, you know, how do you how do you really how do you really decide how do you how do you judge this until you see him actually play? I mean, for the Red Bulls, they obviously parted ways with Marcus Holgerson, which was for me a little bit of a surprise. But at the same time, I think they decided Ibrahim Sagaya uh, impressed them enough that he could be a good partner for Hamas Nolave. However, if you look at the pedigree of the, of, of the signing uh, from from Spain you would think he should be able to step in and start because why else bring a guy in from Europe, from Spain, uh, with that with that pedigree if you're not going to play him? So I think he could challenge the guy, but uh, I don't know if he's necessarily going to step in and lock down that spot. Again, we have to see. We, you know, I, I can't say I've seen him. I don't know how many people have seen uh, have seen him play. So until we actually see him in action, uh, get to see him this preseason, uh, it, it'll be tough to say. Uh, Lee Wynn signed a contract extension with the New England Revolution. He, this past year, along with Kellen Rowe, Diego Fagundes were that nucleus for the Revolution that drove them into the playoffs. Ivis, this is a obviously a, a good, good signing for the New England Revolution. Well, it's a you know it's a big move for New England. They had a play, uh, they keep a player in Wynn who's who's who was such a steal for them. For those who have forgotten, Lee Wynn was let go by Vancouver. Picked up off the scrap heap by New England and has become one of their one of their better players, one of their more important players. So to sign him to a new deal uh, and to keep him around for a while and keep keep that nucleus together, try to keep it together for a while is definitely a big step for New England. They have a nice young team there. Uh, when you think about Lee Wynn, Kellen Rowe, Andrew Farrell, uh, and now with the draft picks, Patrick. M- well, I, oh, I'm, I'm almost forgot Diego Fagundes, the best of the bunch. Uh, and then you've also added now Patrick Mullins and Steve Newman. Uh, they got a good group of guys there, and 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 uh, what's going to bear some watching is uh, what happens with MLS Defender of the Year, Jose Gonzalez, who you know for those who missed it, uh, expressed some uh, unhappiness with his contract situation in New England. Uh, he's being a little vague about, oh, you know, I was promised things, and, and New England promised me things, and now they're not coming through. Uh, so who, it, it, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen just what that means and and what that could lead to. But, you know, if you're New England, you got to keep him happy. I mean, he was absolutely, you know, he, he along with Fergundes were the keys to the New, to New England mm-hmm. having the year that they had. Uh, and, you know, you don't want him unhappy. You, you got you got to figure it out, figure out how do you make him happy. And, and, you know, you don't want him suddenly asking 
asking out of New England. Not that that'll mean he leaves, because as we all know, through the years, uh, history has shown us just because you want to leave New England doesn't mean New England's going to let you leave. <laughs> that is uh, that is very true, Ivis. Uh, an- another interesting thing is uh, that that you mentioned is Heath Pierce. How has no one how, how has no one in the league picked him up yet? That's a good question. That's for me one of the more mind-boggling situations in the league. Uh, you know, just to kind of catch people up on it, uh, he was one of the best defenders in the league. He was once on the national team radar. Then he he you know he had a hip injury that you know got worse over time. He played with it. It brought his game down, diminished his game, and he got to a certain point where he could have kept playing with it, or he could have surgery to correct it to help him get back in time for the next year. And that's what he did, even though the Red Bulls, the, you know, he was with the New York Red Bulls last year. Red Bulls didn't want him to have the surgery. Red Bulls wanted him to keep playing. They wanted him to gut it out. And he made the decision that, you know what, my my career is more important. Yeah, you know, I, I'm risking my 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 career as a, as a whole if I don't get this fixed, if I don't get this injury uh, fixed and repaired and, and have the surgery. And, and so he went against the team's wishes. And he, he went and had the surgery, and, uh, you know, obviously the Red Bulls let him go. And I always thought, you know, he'd be one of the first guys that gets snapped, snapped up by, by a team, and he's still out there. He's still, on, he's still you know, available. He's a free agent. Uh, I had a source tell me uh, recently that the Philadelphia Union were looking at him but now have passed on him, which was a bit of a surprise to me just because, you know, they do need, uh, you know, they, they could use a veteran defender just like him especially someone as versatile as him. I mean, you plug him in at left back or left center back and he's perfect. Uh, but for whatever reason, Philly has passed. So I, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a, if it's a case of there being an issue with a rep, with his reputation or, or, you know, his decision in New York coming back to bite him. Um, because obviously I know the Red Bulls weren't happy about that. So, you know, if you're, if your former team isn't giving you rave reviews, I mean, that can make it tougher for you to get a job down the road. So, I mean, I don't know if that's happening, but that's just, one possibility uh but he's a good player and i think if he is in if he is truly back and 100 percent healthy and and, and he, if he can be the player that he was two years ago uh when he was you know for me one of the better defenders in the league when he was at chivas usa if he can be anywhere near that level it is ridiculous that he doesn't have a job yet or mm-hmm. a team hasn't landed him i think someone will pick him up I think I think he's just too good a player, and and I just you know I think there's enough teams out there that need a defender. Do you, do you think it's just a matter of teams waiting to see what they have first, or or maybe waiting for a guy to get injured before they they bring him in, or is what what do you think that teams will be waiting for? Uh, I mean, I think if I had to guess, I think one of the issues is probably money. You know, I think he's he's a he's a pretty well paid player, and and you know he he probably has expectations for what he thinks he's worth, and. Uh, maybe he's going to have to temper those. I mean, you know, from what I know, he, he was on, you know, somewhere upwards of 300000 a year on his last contract. And that's that's in the range of some of the best defenders in the league. And, you know, not a lot of teams have that kind of available cap space just laying around. So uh, it might get to a point where he has to kind of temper those expectations, maybe take a pay cut. Uh, to prove himself and then and then work and work it out and 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 play himself up to you know where he feels he belongs but for me he's too good not to be in MLS um, or I mean he's too good not to be playing somewhere whether it's MLS or or overseas yeah I think he's a quality player and if he really is recovered if the surgery uh, helped fix the issues that he was having uh, there is absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be playing and starting in MLS. Well, moving over to the Americans abroad front, Timmy Chandler, and I'm sure everyone's going, oh, geez, here we go again, Timmy Chandler. But Timmy Chandler-Ivis has looked good the past two weeks and scored a goal this past weekend. 
I'm not saying that he's going to go to Brazil because Jurgen still has to call him up, but positive results like this could possibly lead to that to a call up, maybe against Ukraine that that March date. Timmy Chandler, Ivis, it's good to see him doing well. What do you think? Well, I've been saying it for a while now that you know I think he it's been a bit of a mystery as to why he hasn't been called up. Uh, and you know, it definitely gave you the perception that he was in, in, in Jurgen's doghouse. And I know that Klinsman has denied that and, 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 and Chandler has tried to be diplomatic about it and say that it has to do with his form, why he hasn't had a chance to get called up. But I mean, there's no arguing that the fact that he's been playing better, uh, as of late, uh, really stepping it up and having a, and having an impact on results for Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at the fullback situation with the U S uh, especially recently now with Fabian Johnson, uh, suffering a broken hand. DeMarcus Beasley had a bit of an injury scare. All of a sudden, you were left kind of looking at, at at left back and saying to yourself, are we are we really this close to having Edgar Castillo playing and starting as your left back going into the World Cup? I mean, just as a possibility, just as, a, as an idea. And, and I think that's got to be scary for anybody who's seen the guy try to defend. Edgar Castillo is not a defender, Mm-mm. and he's definitely not going to help. He's definitely not going to be able to defend against the quality of winger the quality of wingers that are, are that are in World Cup Group G, you know, I, th- I think Chandler is, you know, for those who know, I mean, he's he can play left back, he can play right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when he was in the U.S. mix, more often he played on both sides, and he showed that he can do both. So I think from that standpoint, that versatility for me puts should put him on the U.S. team if he keeps if he keeps going the way he's going, and if he really wants to play for the U.S., which he does, according to. Uh, interviews that he's done, you know, that he wa- he wants to play for the U.S. and 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 he's really tried to kind of shoot down the notion that he he's he's not sure or he's indifferent or he doesn't really care. It sounds like he wants to play for the U.S. and if he wants to play for the U.S., he absolutely should be on the team because a he's good enough, b he's versatile, and I just think he's better than some of the other options that are there. So for me, if he keeps this up, if he keeps starting all the way through to May. He's got to make the, the the preliminary roster. He's got to make it into that May camp, mm-hmm. and I'd put my money on him, especially now with Tremundolo looking less and less like a like a reasonable possibility. I I, I absolutely think Chandler can make the team. No, and yeah, Chandler should have that Ukraine March fifth date circled. I mean, and you're exactly right. The versatility that it brings. I mean, a lot of guys on the U.S. can play different positions. I mean. Left back, right back, that that's uh, fabulous. You just mentioned, real quickly, uh, Fabian Johnson broke his hand. He's expected to be back. Not a cause for concern, is it, Ivis? No, it's a hand. You know, it, it's easy enough. I mean, he'll be able to play with it. He'll put a, you know, I'm sure put a cast on it. it sounds like he's going to resume training next week. So he'll he'll be good to go. Um, you know, as far as the March friendly, is he, is he still possible for that? That's That one will remain to be seen. Uh, but you know, going forward beyond that, I don't, it's it's not it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, Aguchi on Yewu Ivis, I might be eating my words because you said if he could get his form back, he possibly could see himself to Brazil. He's looking good for Sheffield Wednesday. Scored a goal in the FA Cup for them in a win. Ivis on Yewu, he still has a long way to go, but positive steps like this could lead into something bigger. I agree. I agree, and and it's funny because. Uh, it seems like there are people who just refuse to believe or, or, or refuse to consider the possibility that Anyewu is 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 still an option, is still on the radar, and he absolutely is on the radar. You know, I know, and 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 it's not as if these, you know, he's played two games, he's had an impact and a result twice now. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not as if these two games suddenly mean he's good enough to play in the World Cup, but it's a process and it's a, it steps in that right direction for a guy who had gone so long without playing. 
you know, I, I think if he can, as we've said, if he can go there and be a regular starter, and if he keeps making these kind of impacts on the field, scoring goals, setting up goals, uh, it's going to help his chances and it's going to put him on the radar. And and center back is still pretty wide open. I got to say, I mean, obviously Matt Beasler and Omar Gonzalez are looking like the starters. Uh, but then after that, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a crapshoot. Clarence Goodson, I know, has experience. Jurgen Klinsmann likes him. Uh, but is he a lock to make the team? I don't think he's a lock to make the team. John Brooks has been enduring uh, just injury after injury, and he's also been in the doghouse as well. Let's not forget that. And it's not. I don't know if it's just injuries that have kept him out of the lineup. I, I know he now is dealing with the knee issue, uh, but I know his coach wasn't happy with him before that happened. So he's still kind of a, a unknown quantity, and and I personally don't think you know the way things are going right now that he's going to make the team. So. With that being the case, why can't Onyewu, uh close that gap and and you know and and get in there? He as as you say, he still has a way to go. He still has to put the work in, but he's got a few months now to to really push these other guys that are ahead of him. No, you're you're right. But for right now, though, Clarence Goodson would be ahead of him because if, and if anyone wants to see this, as Ivis just put out the SBI's U.S. Men's National Team 23 for 2014 on the website. Ivis, I'm losing my voice. Uh, <clears throat> Everyone can check that out. Uh, one guy who needs to continue to get playing time is Breck Shea. He extends his loan with Barnsley. He did score a goal in a friendly Ivis for Breck Shea. This is good for him. He needs playing time if he wants to get back in the picture. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, he, he made a, a pretty quick impression there, uh, not just with his team, but also teams that watched him play. And he played well enough to attract interest from multiple teams. Uh, in the league championship, but he chose to stay with with with, with Barnsley, uh, where he's been able to get some regular minutes and regular playing time, and and it's that's what he needs more than anything, um, is, is just to get back on the field, get into a rhythm, and, and I think that's going to be enough to to at least get Klinsman to look at him and to consider him. As we all know, Klinsman rates him highly. Klinsman sees him as being a bit of a different kind of player than there is in the pool, uh, just that kind of real aggressive and tall left-footed attacker on the on the wing he can play on the left in a 4-3-3 he can play on the wing in a 4-4-2 uh but again he has to play regularly and he has to play at a pretty good level and and it, and I know it's tough for people to to kind of follow these guys because they're playing in the league championship there's not a ton of television coverage of the league championship on this side of the pond so we all we can really kind of rely on is is newspaper reports and, and 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 internet reports that kind of rate these guys and give us a sense of what the picture is there but i think you can rest assured that Klinsman will have his scouts watching guys like breck shea guys like oguchi yewu danny williams eric lehigh I mean, that's the thing the league championship has really become kind of a a breeding ground there for for potential national team players especially when, now that you've had some of the higher end guys like Dempsey and Michael Bradley mm-hmm. leave Europe. Um, right now, when you think about the leagues in Europe, the league championship probably has the most potential U.S. national team players in in that league. Juan Agadello, he went over to Soak City, immediately got loaned out. He did make his European debut for Utrecht. Ivis, he has a long way to go before he can possibly even get consideration for Brazil, and a couple things have to work out for him. Great opportunity for him to develop and to blossom. Hopefully he falls in the same footsteps as jo- of Josie Altidore and Aaron Johansson. Right. I mean, I think he, he you know, I, I had a chance to talk to him uh, this weekend, and he uh, he made it clear that the reason he went to the Netherlands is is to try to make a push for the World Cup. And, and you know, he did talk to Jurgen Klinsmann about 
about his options. And he had quite a few options when it came down to it, uh, when he was trying to decide where he's going to go. You know, you had Turkey, you had uh, Belgium, France, Spain. Uh, He had, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what, what league in Europe he didn't have uh, some interest from, but he chose the Dutch league. He saw that as an opportunity to, to make a quick impact. Uh, You know, obviously with the qualities that he has as a forward, you know, he, he thought he could go there and do well and, but it's still going to come down to him doing well. You know, he has to go there. He has to score goals and really impress to have any chance of making the team. And right now, he is absolutely a long shot. I think he knows that. But I think he saw the Dutch league as the one place he could go, make a, an immediate impact, and really try to get gain some momentum heading toward May uh, when Jurgen Klinsmann decides on that preliminary group of players that he calls in. Um, but, again, it's tough. There's so many forwards now. I mean, obviously, Josie's still the guy. As much as he's struggling, he's still going to be there. He's going to be on the World Cup team. And then you have Johansson and Tim Chandler, who are scoring. Uh, Tim Chandler, Terrence Boyd, <laughs> T- Terrence Boyd, and Aaron Johansson scoring uh, goals in bunches and playing really well. I think they're both safe bets to make the team. But then you have the veterans. You have Ar- you have Eddie Johnson. You have Hercules Gomez, who's healthy and starting for Club Tijuana now. Mm-hmm. And you even have Chris Wondolowski, who who from by all accounts w- was impressive down in Brazil for the training camp. So that's a lot of people to to have to kind of climb over in the next few months. But uh, Agudel is in a good place to do it. He's in the Dutch league, and, you know, not to say scoring is easy there, but if you're a good forward, you're going to get your chances there, and he has to put them away. Okay, you just mentioned it. Josie Atador struggling. Ivis, uh, I think a lot of people have, you know, these Josie Atador haters that are out there have already hit the panic button. But realistically, looking at this and his struggles – at Sunderland, the panic button doesn't need to be touched, but is the case off yet? I mean, what is going on with Altidore? Well, there's no there's no other way to say it, but he is struggling. And uh, I've actually just filed a, a column uh, for Gold.com about this very subject, and, and basically the gist of the common uh, the gist of the column is uh, it is now time to start worrying about Josie Altidore. And as everyone knows who listens to the show, I've been the guy who's been been kind of trying to preach patience. Tell everyone, listen, take it easy, relax, give them time, give them the full year. But guess what, folks? Okay, now it might be a little bit, it might be time to panic now. It might be time to say, what the hell is going on? Uh, and you know how it, it all kind of came to a head this past weekend. He had an FA Cup match against Kidderminster, lower division team, a team he should have been able to feast on. Uh, and he had a bad game. He, did, he didn't really dominate you know, uh, the opponent the way he was supposed to. And that and that really, really set things in motion. Uh, I mean, you had fans booing every touch. You had TV announcers, uh, you know, ripping him. You had uh, the newspapers the next day were all over him for just just uh, being just being ineffective and just looking really bad. And, and, and now all of a sudden, something that we've all kind of been seeing happen it's kind of hit the front burner now at Sunderland, and, and it, it's a it's a tough situation there. I mean, think about it. Kidder, Kidderminster Harriers, they are in the Conference Premier, which is like the fifth division of of English of English soccer. The fifth division. That'd be the equivalent of uh, I don't know what is it. P, it's like PDL. It'd be like it'd be like if uh, you know the Real Salt Lake played a PDL team and, 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 and Alvaro Saborio couldn't score a goal against that team. I mean, Josie Altador, not only did he not score, I mean, he, you know, he missed, missed chances. He, he just didn't look good. Uh, and you know, you got fans coming up with nicknames. Now it's dozy Altador is a new one. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but it, 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 there is a cause for concern because now we've, we've, we've crossed over from 
slow start. Uh, his team is struggling, so he's struggling. To now, Sunderland is starting to play better. Sunderland is starting to get better results. They've only had one loss in their last five matches. They've climbed out of last place. They're only two points out of the relegation zone, uh, out of escaping the relegation zone. They're heading in a positive direction under manager Gus Poyet. And despite all that, Josie Altador is not showing the same kind of improvement. Now, he's had his decent matches where I've mm-hmm. looked at it and I've said, you know what? I thought he did better than people gave him credit for. I mean, I could tell you when I when, when he came in in the Manchester United match in the in the League Cup, uh, when he came in as a late sub and played in the extra time, I thought he did all right there. I thought he had some good touches. I thought he was active. But again, it comes down to the goals. The, the, the longer you go without scoring goals, the more that just becomes a glaring, glaring cause for concern. And and I think that's come to a head now. And I and and not, not only should Altura be worried about that, but he should also be worried about what Sunderland is trying to do uh, as far as improving their team. I mean, now they they've been linked to an Argentine uh, forward slash winger who could maybe take some playing time away. So the pressure's on. Altura absolutely has to step it up. He has to get it going because if he's not careful, even the minutes that he's seeing now are going to start to go away. You no, know, and and you want to you want to see. You you want to see the club form doing well? It goes over to the international. But but the interesting thing about Altidore, Ivis is earlier in in October he did score for the U.S. Men's National Team against Jamaica, and it's not like he was doing that well for Sunderland at the same point. I mean, do you think that it, playing for the U.S. Men's National Team, do you think that this struggle is going to carry over and he's going to be not as productive as he's been in the past? Well, I'd say this right: a, a confident Josie Altidore. Uh, an Altador that's scoring goals on the club side would would be a huge bonus for the U.S. team heading into the World Cup because because I think that momentum, confidence, I think you can carry that over, and I think it can absolutely help you. And I think that's what helped Altador last summer. Last summer he had crushed it in the Dutch league. He he you know he he could do no wrong. Every shot he hit, he hit perfectly, and that translated into an amazing summer for him. Uh, um, that being said. It can't. You can't assume that if he keeps struggling, he can't turn it around on the club side. He can't then play well in the World Cup. It, I don't think it's an automatic that one means the other. Having said that, I think it's tougher. I think it's less likely to that he would do well. I, I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. 2010, uh, 2010 World Cup, Josie Altador came into the 2010 World Cup having had a really disappointing uh, year with Hull City. Uh, a really rough loan spell. Uh, that team, that Hull City team was horrendous. They finished second to last. They get, they scored the second fewest goals in the league. They were just an atrocious team. Josie Altador, and that was really his first full season in Europe, getting some actual playing time. He had his struggles. He had his struggles. But guess what? He went to the World Cup, and I thought he did well. He didn't score at the World Cup, but he drew a ton of fouls. He was very active. He had a hand in some really big goals in that tournament, for those who forget. So, you know, he... He was able to to put it together, and he was younger. He's four years younger than he was not near the player that he is now. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think we shouldn't assume he'll be uh, totally off, totally useless, won't be able to play well if he keeps on struggling. But I think it definitely diminishes those chances. You want a confident Josie Altador. You want a happy Josie Altador. You want a streaking uh, Josie Altador heading into the World Cup. There's still time for that, but the concern is, the fear is, how much longer will Sunderland keep giving him minutes? Because they have their own concerns. They're in a relegation battle. They, how, you know, how much longer can they give him to figure things out? And I, I got to tell you, I think the clock's ticking on that. So 
the, the chances could suddenly start to fade. So he better hurry up and start fighting the net. And staying in the Premier League, we're going to touch on one final player. That is 17-year-old Gideon Zalalem, who just made his debut for Arsenal. Ivis, can you educate us on him and why U.S. men's national team fans should pay attention? Well, for those who don't really, for those who aren't familiar on, uh, in his background, uh, Gideon Zalalem, uh, born uh, he was born in Germany to Ethiopian parents. Uh, moved to the U.S. when he was young, and he spent his formative years uh, playing in the in the United States. Uh, and that's the connection there. You know, he he he. I think he was nine years old when he came here, and he from nine to sixteen uh, is where he really kind of came of age as a player. And he did that uh, playing in the uh, in the Maryland, Virginia, you know, the DMV area of the country, and and really that's where he caught the eye of of, a, of an Arsenal scout, and 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 that paved the way for him to go to Arsenal two years ago. And, and now, you know, it's kind of come full circle. Now he's really pushing uh, up to potentially being a first-team player. And, uh, you know, he made his debut uh, this past week, and, and now the, the talk is beginning. Uh, could he be the future? Will he play for the U.S.? Will he play for Germany? Uh, he's, played for the Germany uh, he's played for Germany on the youth level uh, the past few years. Uh, and as of right now, I don't think he's eligible for the U.S. as it is. So... I know U.S. fans are still going to wonder about him, still care about him, still hold out hope that he'll play for the U.S., but as of right now, I think it's tough. You know, I think it's tough. He's going to be in Europe for the foreseeable future, uh, and I think, you know, Germany, I mean, he's playing at Arsenal. There's a bunch of Germans on in Arsenal now, so it's going to be tough. But again, we all know the recruiter that Jurgen Klinsmann is, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure he'll make the push for him. Uh, I think people who know uh, who know Zellalem will, will say he's very much an American, uh, which you can understand, you know, having been raised here in his formative years in America, that he'd have that kind of American sensibility. But as of right now, it's too tough to say. It's too tough to say because no one knows what he's going to do. I think I'd say this. The best way to go about it, if you're a U.S. fan, you can definitely track him, track his progress, and hope that he becomes a U.S. player. But I don't think anyone should project him to be a U.S. player. And I don't think anyone should be saying, oh, well, 2018 in Russia, (laughs) Zellalem is going to be our guy or at the Olympics in 2016. I I think from that standpoint, take it easy, folks. Uh, Because, you know, you're only going to set yourself up for heartbreak. And, uh, you know, I think right now, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd say he's probably less likely than than Julian Green is to to play for the U.S. And, you know, I think Julian Green is someone who, who I guess sense is a bit more of a realistic option. And he's actually eligible to play for the U.S. That's another thing you got to remember. Uh, Zalem is not eligible for the U.S. as of yet. And I don't know if that's going to change. I don't know what, you know, what the fact is that now, you know, he's he's over in England. He's over in London. Uh, he's not living in the U.S. So is he kind of in limbo on the on the citizenship front? So from that standpoint, I would say don't hold your breath. Enjoy him as a player because, by all accounts, the guy's a fa- you know he's a fascinating young player, uh, and appreciate the fact that you know what he was he was hon- his skills were honed in the U.S. and I think that's something to, to take pride in. You know, I think I, I don't I don't think people I think people lose sight of that kind of stuff and and and, and uh, ignore the fact that 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 says something that says something about American soccer. And I know American soccer catches so much flack and and you mm-hmm. especially youth soccer. You get all sorts of haters who think, "Oh my God, you, you, you American youth soccer is a joke. It's it's backwards. The coaches are terrible. People don't know what they're doing." It's so funny, man. I mean, are there are there are there issues? Yes, but I think some people 
you know, they, they, that's just they're predisposed to just the hate and, and, and just criticize and 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 you know use blanket statements to bring everything down. But when you look at something like you know, someone like Zelalem, who in his formative years was playing youth soccer in America, he was able to hone his game to the level to be at Arsenal now. I think that says something. I think that's a I think that's a bit of a big deal. And I read I read somewhere that he was he was scouted at the Dallas Cup by Arsenal, which is also amazing. I mean, that's one of the biggest youth uh, youth tournaments in the whole United States. So. Like, I mean, you're exactly right. It shows shows that people are paying attention to American talent. Well, Ivis, we have reached the end of the show. Since this is the midweek show, we are going to do the SBI Q&A. Everyone can send their questions in on Twitter. Hashtag Ask the SBI Show at any time. Ivis and I always check. First question comes from Jordan Jacobson. With the sighting of Sakako at Sunderland, what's next for Altidore? Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I mean, Sakako, the Argentinian, is... Uh, He's a bit of a winger slash second forward. He's not exactly a player. He's not exactly like Josie Altador, so it's not a, a necessarily a direct uh, blow to Altador because, I mean, if anything, you could argue that maybe he helps Altador by providing some better wing play uh, for Altador when Altador plays. As I said before, the concern is how much longer does Gus Poyet keep giving him time if he's not being effective. So I'd say uh, it, I don't think it necessarily means now he's got to go anywhere, but I think it's gonna if it's gonna put some more pressure on him to start performing and start performing quickly because you know the minutes are gonna become tougher and tougher to come by. Ivis, next question comes from James. What should we expect from Chivas, US, Chivas USA this year? It seems that they're going into a new direction. Well, just looking at their signings, I, I think. I get a more I get a better sense of comp- competence from the group this year, uh, just just looking at how they're trying to build their roster. Having said that, you know they really are cleaning up a mess because last year was a disaster for them in terms of building a team and building a roster. Uh, you know they definitely mortgaged their future uh, for some moves that just weren't that smart, and now uh, they're kind of paying the cost of that. So closing the gap on the playoff teams in the West is is, is a little ambitious. I think you know. Step one for them is to be competitive on a regular basis, and I think, I think you know, with, with the the pieces that they've added, I think they are going to be more competitive. But I just still think they're they've got a ways to go before they could seriously consider trying to be a playoff team. I think, I think they, you know, not only do they first they need to to build a kind of a strong foundation, uh, a group of players that that is going to be there for a while and, and and kind of form a nucleus, and then you go get your big ticket guys if you're if you're serious about being a contender. Uh, you have to go. You have to go get your, you know, your big name players, uh, if you're Chivas USA, and and so I, I think this year's a, it's a, again another rebuilding year for them. But I do think they will be. I think they will be more competitive. Uh, next question comes from Isaac A. If you are the Seattle Sounders, do you use your allocation spot on Marco Papa or Eric Freiberg? That's a good question. You know, uh, for me, Eric, Eric where, I mean, I don't know if it's Freiberg or Freiberg. It's Freiberg. But, uh, I, I looked it up. It's the first time I think I pronounced the name right on this show. I, I, did I don't know. Up. Maybe that's the European pronunciation. Uh, I'm going to say Freiberg. But anyway, I, like the German team, Freiberg. All right. Eric Freiberg. <laughs> I, he did, he, Eric Freiberg did not impress me his first time around in MLS. Um, so from that standpoint, if you have the number one allocation spot, you need to use that on a player that's really going to make an impact. I, I just... Eric Freeberg just didn't do it for me his last time around. I don't know if Seattle Sounders fans agree or disagree on that one. Uh, but if you have a chance to get Marco Papa, who I, who for me was an impact player in MLS, 
I think you go you go get Marco Papa. So, you know, sources had told me two weeks ago uh, that Seattle was lining up a move for him. I don't know if that's changed now because of Freeberg or if something happened with the Papa move that has forced them to look at Freeberg. I haven't heard anything tangible on Freeberg going to Seattle. Uh, the, and I, and I haven't heard anything new on Papa, but I was told two weeks ago that Seattle was lining up, lining up a move to, to bring Papa to MLS. Andre Wade asks, will more U S men's national team players based in Europe follow Dempsey, Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley to major league soccer? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, I think there, obviously there are always going to be players who come over, but I don't think it's this mass exodus. I think you've seen what you're going to see, you, you know, Dempsey, Bradley, Parkhurst, uh, Goodson in the past, you know, six or seven months, and that's a good that's a good haul for MLS. You, you got to be pretty happy to get Dempsey and Bradley if you're MLS. But uh, you know, as I've been saying, I think you're going to see some some players head the other way uh, in twenty in twenty fourteen. I think that's absolutely going to happen. Uh, and let's face it, who's left? You know, who's left over in Europe right now? I mean, Tim Tim Howard is going to come at some point, but I don't think he's going to come anytime soon. I don't think he's coming in 2014. Uh, I don't think he's coming in 2015. I think he's still got a few years left, uh, as many years as he wants. I mean, he could play another three, four years at a high level. Uh, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. And you can say what you want and say he had a bad game against Liverpool, but let's be honest now, he's had a great year playing at a high level. So... I know I know people want to spec <laughs> I know people want to speculate on oh you know maybe he'll go to NYCFC and and this and that I I just I just don't think he's going to come yet and then who else is there I mean Brad Guzan's not going anywhere uh who who else is there I mean you you have a lot of guys in the league championship but you know they, there's a lot more money to be made in the league championship than there is in MLS because let's face it the guys who are making the huge money in MLS are guys that are coming from bigger leagues you know obviously Clint Dempsey and Joe, and uh, and Michael Bradley, you know, coming from Roma and coming from the mm-hmm. coming from Tottenham, they're going to make the five six million dollars uh, contracts. But you know, if you're talking about guys like Eric Lehigh or or uh, maybe on Dan- on maybe in a couple years. Uh, no, on Yewu, still making good money over there, and and I think I think he, I, I just don't think he can make anywhere near the money he makes uh, over there in MLS. So there's no reason for him to come yet. Um, I know there's been talk like, oh, maybe Josie Altador. I, I'm sorry, folks. Josie Altador is not coming to MLS. He's not. He will not. I, I would put money on Josie Altador not coming back to MLS before he turns 30. I think he's going to stay in Europe. I think he's going to make his money. I think he's going to score his goals. He's going through a rough patch right now. But I think he still has several years in Europe to go. And, and I, I just don't see him going. I just don't see him uh, coming back. Now, that doesn't mean some other Americans won't come. But I think this idea that there's this tidal wave of americans all the americans are coming back to mls no that's not happening the group a group came over you got a couple of guys it's and that's what that's pretty much what it's going to be and now you're going to see some guys go the other way i i definitely i definitely think you're going to see in 2014 two or three uh, quality mls players make the move to europe uh jc in texas asks have you have any of your sources given you a heads up on which club jermaine jones will transfer to or if he's stuck at shalka well, I haven't heard anything as far as where he could go. I mean, what I have been told is that his salary demands uh, were just not going to put him in MLS. I mean, I think he was a little unrealistic about what he could make in MLS. And, and you know, I'm sure he looked at what Michael Bradley made. And, you know, when you're talking six, six and a half million and, and you know, Jermaine Jones looks at that and says, well, then I should be able to get four, four and a half million. No problem. And that's just not the case. That's just not not how it is in MLS. I mean, obviously Michael Bradley, a very, very unique situation 
Toronto really, really broke the bank to bring him over. And Jermaine Jones just in by MLS standards and just well, but just by the 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 money that is normally spent in MLS, Jermaine Jones is not going to get four and a half million dollars. He's not even going to get half that. He's not even going to get a million. To be honest with you, I just don't. I just don't think as good a player as he is. And it's not to say he's a bad player. He's a good player. But I just think that if you want to make the real money coming from Europe to MLS. As an as a U.S. national team player, you need to have you need to be younger, you need to be kind of a marketable guy, a marketable star like Clint Dempsey, or if you're younger like Michael Bradley. I just don't, you know. I think if anything, Jermaine Jones can look at the Marisa Du situation as kind of a measuring stick for him to what would be a realistic uh, approach for him to come to MLS. You know, I think I think that that might be uh, that might be a way to go. But I haven't heard anything. As far as MLS being a realistic option right now, I know he was looking into it for sure. He was interested in coming, but I think now that he sees the landscape and what is really going on money-wise, I'm not sure he's ready to give up the kind of money that he makes in Europe. Uh, Next question comes from Rod. He asks, how the heck am I going to find a flight and hotel from a house? Well, that's a good question, my man. And it's funny because I've spent the past few days myself uh, dealing with similar issues when it comes to planning for the World Cup, and uh, you know, I, I have found a flight to Manaus uh, from Sao Paulo, and that is okay. But a hotel, good luck. Uh, there, uh, the only hope that I, the only thing that I would say is, let's hope that you have a lot of people who have who have reserved rooms, but who are going to let the rooms go. And I can guarantee a lot of people because there, there's a lot of hotels that. You can hold a room. You can make a reservation. You can cancel it the day before. You can cancel it the week before. I think a lot of people jumped on making reservations early and will cancel when, A, they can't go or, or, B, plans change or, C, they find other accommodations. That's what we have to hope for. We have to hope for that because I can tell you right now, I don't have a hotel in Manaus uh, and, and I don't have a hotel in Recife for Germany either. There's slim pickings in, in in Recife, that's the, because uh, you're gonna rent a you're gonna rent a house in Manaus and throw a and throw a sick party. That's what it is, right? That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. Uh, you know what? It rhymes no, I, too. You know, yeah. House <laughs> Manaus. <laughs> hey, the house in Manaus. Yeah. yeah. Nah, but well, you know what? We'll figure it out. It, it it always works itself out. There's always these kind of situations where 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 hotels are hard to find, like months out. But you know, there's four months to go. I'm sure as we get closer, you'll see hotels clear uh, clear up. You'll see people back out of reservations and, and that's when you got to pounce. So you got to, if you want to, if you want to spot in Manaus, you're going to definitely have to be diligent about keeping tabs on that kind of stuff. Next question comes from Troy Lafleur. Where does Marisa do fit in at Philadelphia? Does Brian Carroll now go to the bench? I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, not right away. Anyway, I don't think, I think, you know, I think you're going to see them play together. I think you could see a four, four, two, with uh, with Carol and and Marisa Du in the in the quote unquote empty bucket that people like to talk about, uh, I think you could see the new wingers uh, Maidana and uh, uh, Nogueira play on the, on either side of that in a four four two with uh, McInerney and and uh, and Connor Casey up top. You could see a four two three one as well. Although you know Casey's not really a a, a one in a four two three one, neither is McInerney. So that maybe isn't an ideal fit. And I think there'll be there'll, there'll be opportunities to give Brian Carroll some rest. You know, I know he's someone. The guy's got a lot of miles uh, on on those wheels, but I, I still think he's still too important a uh, a leader for them on the field to to just knock him out altogether and not have a role for him. I think there's still a role for him, but I do think for me, I've said it. I think Marisa is going to play in the midfield. Uh, next question comes from Frank Cabina. 
Will our New York Red Bull prime to pull a Manchester United this season, which is fall off after winning the league due to old roster? Well, you know, that's an interesting one because, I mean, uh, the example I would give is DC United uh, last year. You know, they were that team. They had the third best record in the league last year. And they go from third best record in the league last year to worst record in the league. Uh, I don't I don't think the Red Bulls are going to have that kind of collapse, but I think there is something to be said for their offseason not necessarily being all that impressive. And the reason for that is I think they've had to pay the piper for overspending last offseason, and, and, and they really pigeonholed themselves. They really painted themselves into a corner uh, spending-wise, and uh, so they really couldn't. I know they've tried to address some areas. You know, they've added so far. You know, they've added Bobby Convy. Uh, they've added Eckersley, but you know, I don't know. I, I haven't been. I haven't been overly impressed with them uh, with, with their roster tweaks. Uh, having said that, they still have Tim Cahill. They still have Terry Henry, uh, Dax McCarty, Luis Robles, uh, James Nolave. They still have some serious quality on that team. And 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 I tell you what, year two is really gonna tell the tale uh about Mike Pecky and and how how serious we should take him as a, a, a potentially elite manager. If he does it for a second year, if he can if he can carry this over, the success over from his rookie year as head coach and 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 keep this team at a high level, then yes, we will absolutely start taking serious him seriously as that next generation of of top notch coach, but it's not going to be easy. He he's got. I he, I think he has a tougher test this year than he had last year. Uh, and the final question comes from Mike Chico. If things keep in the same downwards direction, can Josie Altador play himself off the roster? Uh, off the now, are you saying off the World Cup roster? No, he's going to be at the World Cup. A healthy Josie Altador will be at the World Cup. Period. And end of story. Um, you know, short of attacking his own teammates at Sunderland uh, or, or doing anything really crazy. If he's healthy, he will be there. I think he's too good a player, even struggling. He's too good a player to not bring to Brazil. Now, you could say, oh, well, does he start or not? That's a question. You can ask that. Uh, if, if these struggles carry over into May, yes, absolutely. You have to ask questions about whether or not you can afford to start someone who's that out of form. And again, it still comes down to how they look in camp, right? Once they get to training camp, maybe Josie Altidore, maybe something clicks. Maybe maybe he just he looks better. Uh, but again, if he struggles like he's struggling now all the way into May, then you can absolutely talk about guys like Aaron Johansson, Eddie Johnson, Terrence Boyd, Hercules Gomez, uh, as guys who could potentially start in place of Altidore. But will he be on the team? I'm sorry. I don't see how you go from uh, scoring every qualifier – 2013 U.S. National Team Player of the Year, hat trick in Europe against Bosnia. I don't see how you go from all that, and less than a year later, he can't make your World Cup team. That's ridiculous, folks. Take it easy. I know he's struggling. I know he's not doing well. I know he's not looking good, but he is still a quality player, one of the best players in the pool. That has not changed. What has changed is his form. His form is not good, but he the he is still a good player, and it's amazing to me how people have how short a memory people have uh, about, I mean, the guy was crushing it a year ago, less than a year ago. Last summer, every single qualifier, the guy scored a goal. And that Bosnia game, go, you know, go find a way to watch that Bosnia. Go watch the highlights of that Bosnia game and tell yourself you don't think he's a good player and that he's not worth a roster spot, even if he's struggling. He's absolutely worth the spot. He will be there if he's healthy. 
You know what it is, man. It's just the haters. As soon as he starts doing well again, uh, they'll it, go away. No. They won't say anything. The haters, man, they just they love coming no. out. It's not always haters. It, there are some, look, there are some people who they don't like a player, so that just will never change. They're just never going to like a player. But I think there's just genuine concern from people who think, oh, you know, what have you done for me lately? I want the hot. I want the guy who's who scored last week. Give me the guy who scored in the friendly in 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 you you know in the Czech Republic or something over over Josie because Josie Altor because he's been struggling in England. You know, like let's face it, he's struggling in the English Premier League, folks. He's not playing AYSO. He's not playing you know USL Pro. He is playing in the Premier League and a higher at a higher level league than any other forward in the pool. Let's remember that, folks. Let's remember that he is playing at a higher level than any other forward in the pool. And you can't just ignore that and say, oh, he's not, he's struggling. He's not looking good. He should tumble down the depth chart behind all these other guys playing in these smaller leagues. And I'm not knocking any of them. All those guys, they deserve credit for, 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 for playing well, wherever they are. Terrence Boyd, great future, done really well uh, for Rapid Vienna, but he's a Rapid Vienna, folks. He's not, a, he's not in the Premier League. Josie Altsuder is playing in the Premier League. Aaron Johansson, he's crushing it for AZ right now. Give it to him. He's going to be on the World Cup team. He might even be starting in the World Cup, but he's playing. He's playing in the Dutch league. Josie Altsuder played in the Dutch league. Josie Altsuder scored fifty goals in two years in the Dutch league. He can. He. You know, it's not the same. So let's remember that. Let's let, let's remember that when we think about whether or not Josie Altsuder should be on the World Cup team. He will be on the team. The question is, will he be able to start, or will his form be an issue then? I was taking shots at AYSO, man. It's not nice. <laughs> well, listen, man. There's going to be some people that are going to be offended by that. Look, AYSO, is, 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 <laughs> it serves a role, but there's nobody going from the AYSO to the World Cup directly. It's not happening. <laughs> so there you go. And you know what? I, I, if there was any kid in AYSO even good enough for that, I'm sure we would all know about it because people love writing about 10-year-olds nowadays, apparently. Yeah, it's kind of – I know everyone's waiting for that new up-and-coming kid. I know. It's thirst. The thirst is real. The thirst is real. Everyone's everyone's eager to, to anoint someone the next great something or someone, and it's like, I don't know, folks. Let – let the young players develop. Exactly. Let the veterans who who are in tough playing in tough league, let in tough leagues, let them deal with that. Uh, it, I don't know, man. I, it, it's just it drives me nuts sometimes. It drives me nuts. I you know, trust me, man. I'm with you on that. Uh, well, Ivis, that wraps up the show. Anything else uh, that we forgot to cover? Got to talk about? Uh, not much. Oh, you know, we did have a question from Alexi Lalas. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, I think you might have missed that, but I don't, I don't think he did the hashtag. So that's why, uh, that's why you didn't notice it. But he, he asked, he asked me when I'm going to get a better microphone, mm-hmm. uh, for this show. Cause as you might know, he actually listens to the show. Uh, he, he, uh, and not, not because you're his, his love child or anything. But yeah. I was he, shocked when he said he listens to the show. I was like, really? I was like, you don't have other things to do? Yeah. Well, no. Nah, you know, he's on he's on the treadmill. You know, he's probably on he's on the treadmill right now, listening to this. Probably. Uh, but so apparently, our our audio is not that great. So I'm gonna go get a new microphone, so I can uh, be up to Alexi's standards uh, going forward. Uh, but you know, I, I just so everyone knows, I blame Garrett for my crappy sound quality. Yeah. Not because he's a bad producer, because he is a good producer, but I blame it because he's keeps telling me it's it sounds per, it sounds great, and, and and meanwhile it just sounds horrible. So I know now that I know that. I will I will go buy myself a new microphone. Yeah, look, I, I, if anyone is a an expert on 
any of this stuff, please let me know because I'm not an expert and I do my best. So, I mean, I think I think the show sounds great. You know, I think there's room for improvement, but I think for the most part, I have as for us doing every single show over three thousand miles apart. I, I think it's I think we're doing a pretty good job. I think we're doing all right. All right don't, don't cry or anything. I think, I think we're doing all right. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not. hey, dude, I'm saying for, for only meeting one time, man. I mean, come on, this this show's been this show's been rocking, man. No, we're doing we're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty. Don't cry. See, and by the way, folks, no, he's not crying. Garrett's sick, so if you hear him sniffling, I, I'm still sick, man. I try, it's not. It's, I'm not still crying it because my girlfriend broke up with of, me. It kind of sounded like you were crying. I, I'm sick, man. I told you I can't do it. Like when the temperature changes too fast, like you know, it was like 55, and now it's 70. It was like too quick of a change for me. It's like my body can't keep up with the t-shirt shorts weather, you know. Well, you know what's funny? You mentioned the the breaking. God, up how with, soft do I sound? <laughs> you sound pretty soft. But what was funny is you mentioned the the girl the, the the no, you didn't break up with your girlfriend thing. For those who don't know, Garrett has a girlfriend now, and I've already I've already I already told him that she's going to become like the Yoko Ono of SBI show and bre- and break us up because uh, he's going to spend all his time with his uh, his girlfriend. It's just funny that I've been saying that, and then Yoko Ono makes the cameo at the Grammys. Way too much TV time for her, but uh, I thought that was pretty funny. You know, I I didn't watch the Grammys. Why don't you, Ivis, give us a quick review of the Grammys? <laughs> a quick review because I know Grammys. you watched it. I know you want to talk about it. So uh, no, I, I mean I wasn't planning to talk about it, but uh, Daft Punk ran away with everything. Uh, they they had a pretty good performance for me. Oh, stop, stop! Yeah, I want the Ivis opinion. What what did Ivis think? Uh, I I thought Kendrick Lamar and 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 and, and Matt, was it is it Magic Drag Imagine Dragons Magic they, Dragons yeah. They crushed it. I thought that was the performance of the night. Uh, I thought John Legend was great. I thought Pink was amazing with the stuff she did uh, with the ropes or whatever. And she's a great singer, too. So I thought there were some really good performances. I thought there were some weird transitions. I mean, you had you had the whole Kendrick Lamar, Imagine Dragons, like headbanger, ultra-amped set. Uh, and then you had this like happy country girl uh singing like a ju- little happy song right oh after. yeah what was that i was so confused that was by that i mean she was really pretty so I, I i didn't mind it as much but and uh, one of the more depressing moments for me was was metallica coming on and and james hetfield the lead singer it, he's rocking these short gray hair now and for those who don't remember you know james hetfield who's the lead singer from metallica he used to rock he used to have the full head of hair the full long hair and the mustache and he was just like the just like the quintessential rocker, and now he's got kind of like the like the kind of like the short gray kind of grandpa hair thing going on. It was like, man, he got old. Man, I got old. And man, everybody getting everybody gets old. It is what it is. I you know I only saw highlights of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. My only takeaway from it was that Taylor Swift looks smoking, and uh, that was my takeaway from the Grammys. I thought she was well. Look, to each their own. I thought she looked ridiculous trying to dance. To the hip hop songs. That's, I mean, you know what? I didn't see that part. See that? Fair that play, didn't ruin play, it for me. Fair play that she's a hip hop fan. I'll give her that. She at least she was up dancing, but the producers of the show were showing her way too much, and she just she dances like I don't know. She dances like Gumby. I think Gumby would dance. Oh my like god! Gumby. Wait, have you seen that? Have you seen that gif video of Mark Cuban? He, he, who is he dancing to? I think it was like to Rihanna or something like that. I, I, oh, have have you seen that? I have not seen that. You got to see it, man. It's hilarious. Like, Mark Cuban's, like, it's, like, one of the same things. Like, they're filming him, and, like, no one else is dancing, and he's, like, like it's, like, a fake, like, yeah, like, getting into it. It's so <laughs> awkward, man. It's, it's like, painful to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, none of us are professional uh, dancers anyway, and thankfully no one has footage of, of, of us trying to bust moves at MLS Cup and 
at the club when we were out in uh, in Kansas City trying to keep warm and uh, do our thing. I don't thing think anyone the... was dancing. There was a little bit of dancing. There was a little bit of dancing. I tell you what, CJ Sapong was dancing. That he he's never not dancing. I'm just gonna put that out there. Oh well, oh that party. I, I was thinking of like the general. Okay, let's see. I see. I see. That, well, the one yeah, yeah, the one that about... I left. Yeah, oh, yeah. You missed all. You missed all. You missed all the good. <laughs> I know. The, all the all the stories. I the stories I wish we could tell on the SBI show. That that's that's you know when I retire and I write my book, this all all the good stuff's going in the book. Do I get a free copy? Uh, yeah, I'm sure you will. Oh, that's nice of you. You'll be in it, so I have to. Say that is copy. true. I will be in it. I wonder if it will be good or bad. <laughs> Or it'll neutral, right. you're right. Or it'll be, it'll, it'll be both. It'll be both. I'll write. I'll write about your near emotional breakdowns and your and your happy uh, your happy times. Well, I gotta say things like that. I mean, I'm already soft. <laughs> I mean, my my respect is like now down to like point. Uh, now nah, you're good, man. You're you, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. And just so everybody knows, we are working on on trying to improve the show and improve the the sound quality and and work on getting guests on a more consistent basis, but. I think heading into 2014, as we wrap up episode 108, I think I think we're doing all right. I think we're we're heading in a pretty good direction. True, and I think as most people know, you know, between yours and, and my schedule, I mean, it, you know, you and I are very busy with the multiple hats that we wear. Also, for anyone's wanting to know why we're not doing three shows a week, Ivis and I made the decision to do two shows a week until the season starts. Once the season starts, we'll go back to three shows a week. Yeah, it's just a lot. There's a lot going on right now, so we, 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 we'll. We've narrowed it to two. We've reduced it to two, but uh, it, it come March, we'll, we'll right back at it uh, with our regular schedule. Yes, we will. All right, Ivis. Well, enough. Uh, that was enough. Uh, you know, wasted our, our audio. Man, at the our, end. Man, our mandatory ten min, minute banter. Yeah, that everyone listens to. Half half people love it, half people hate it, which that makes me happy. I don't think half hate it. I think there's just a few that just they're just annoyed. they just you know they have to not like something. So yeah, that is true. Basically, folks, if you don't like the banter, as soon as you hear <laughs> Garrett say this, you know this is the end of the show. You know that means stop listening because you know we are going to talk then talk for about ten to fifteen. Minutes. But sometimes we we break we we save some things though for the very end though. So uh, sometimes yeah, yeah, not this time. No. All right, all right, man. All right, you have a. All right, well, you know what? As always, it's uh, extraordinary late for both you and I. So. Uh, you get some sleep. I'll talk to you later, and we'll preview the U.S. Men's National Team game, Ivis. Yes, sir. We'll be back on Thursday night, and we'll drop that show on Friday, and we'll preview the match and uh, and everything else going on around American soccer. That is right. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the SBS Show.